Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Congelos. It's a pleasure to be with you this week. Through the month of December, we're working on really winding down the year of 2013 and really starting out the year of 2014 on the right foot financially. My guest today, my partner and co-host, uh, David Suki over at CNA Financial Group. Dave, welcome. Pleasure to see you today. Thank you, Frank. So on our last show, we were talking about, you know, the purpose of money in your life, setting some goals for the new year. And we were going on and on about, you know, what you should be thinking about kind of in that macroeconomic sense as far as what you should be looking at with your finances. On this week's show, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some last-minute financial advice that you should be considering before the end of the year really hits. And so the first thing that I would you know, tell people or that you know, I'm suggesting as our listeners is really to you know, focus on some of those flexible spending accounts, FSAs, which is if you've been taking money out of your pay for child care and for other benefits that need to be utilized by year-end, you only have a few weeks to make sure that that gets done. So I know, Dave, you, you recently used up your HSA account because our buddy Dave here and his wife just had a little baby girl. So, Dave, congratulations. How's Tony, by the way? She's doing terrific. Very good. By the way, what's the baby's name? Samantha Brielle Sookie. Very good. For our listeners, just so that we're sharing with them. So my guess is you you utilized your deductibles this year pretty good and probably took care of that coinsurance. All that's taken care of. So all good. So... And as we talk about deductibles and coinsurance, you know, for all of our listeners, as it relates to health insurance, just a few things that, you know, we would suggest that you give some thought to. So, Dave, you want to cover any or you want me to go first? Oh, you're doing fine, Frankie. Yeah, I know you've, so, you've been in this game so a I'm, lot longer than I have. I'm going to go first as it relates to health insurance. So the rule of thumb for health insurance is this. If you have some medical necessities that need to be done and that you're looking to have done around year end. The food for thought are the following. If you've already satisfied your deductible for 2013, personally, I would then try to get all of my claims in or as many of the claims in for this year, meaning that if you have to go to a doctor, you need follow-up visits, you need lab work, you need any of that, and you've already satisfied deductibles, get as much of that done this year because you already satisfied the deductible because as of January 1st, you start your new deductible. Now, on the other side of that is that if I have not utilized my deductible and I have a large deductible and it doesn't look like I'm going to use it by year end, then personally, I would push off that medical service that I need to have done until the new year, unless I knew that it would hit the deductible this year. So as an example, if I've got a $2,500 deductible and I've utilized $250 of it this year, so I've got $2,250 left. And if I needed some medical procedures or I needed something done, it was only going to be 1000 or $1,500, I wouldn't have hit my deductible by year. So what I would have done, I would suggest that you push off that visit till right after January 1st, and let that get applied towards your new deductible for the new plan year. So questions or thoughts, Dave, what do you think on that one? You like that? Yeah. No, I, um, it's sometimes overlooked because we get into the holiday mode, and um, we, um, we then get into the, uh, I don't want to say, you know, um, 
motivated mode. But, you know, January start off with gusto and maybe on that list is, hey, I've got to get to that doctor I needed to see for this work or that work. And we start all over. <laughs> Sometimes we go, oh, whoops, I should have did this at the end of the year instead of the beginning of the year. So I think it's a good point. Well, one of the other things that you know we were talking about last week was budgeting. And Dave, as it relates to budgeting in healthcare, you know, any pointers that you would mention to our, our, our listeners for this week? Um, in terms of what do you mean, Frank, by budgeting? You know, as far as if we've set our budget for next year, okay, as it relates to, you know, if you have a higher deductible plan, okay, and so forth, make sure that you're putting that money to the side kind of pre-tax. Okay, got, got it, yeah. So if um, if we've all experienced changes in our health care coverages, like we all have, um, one of the things to focus on is that uh, – Okay, so I, I, I'm not going to say my joke, which is – but we all kept our current health insurance. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, okay, we're all kidding aside for our listeners. So, we're just playing here. Yeah. So the the reality is, is we got to we got to prepare for the fact that in our budget we should have a line item that that includes the deductible costs. You know, if I have a fifteen hundred dollar deductible or twenty five hundred dollar deductible, I should be preparing myself for that so that I don't get caught somewhere during the year saying, "Oh, I got this bill in. What what do?" What am I going to do with it? So, as, as well that, as for that difference in premium, correct? Which Frank. is if your premium went up, make sure that you're, you're figuring. You're that. figuring out that into the into the new because uh, it likely didn't go down, as we know. So you got to you know find that money from somewhere. I'm, you know, I'm doing this a long time, and it's I don't remember the last time I've ever seen a health insurance renewal stay the same or go down. Uh, they've always everything I've seen all these years. They seem to always go up every year. Uh, yeah. And so what happens is, is you know, there's a cost shift that goes on, which is you know when you look at that health insurance side, and the cost shift is the premium goes up, but then I reduce benefits, so then I take on more of the claim, and I kind of I'm you know rolling the dice, hoping I'm not going to get the claim, and I save the money or I broke even. So we've all been there. Absolutely. So let's just um, highlight a couple of things on uh, dental insurance. As it relates to dental insurance, if you have a dental insurance plan, let me just show you how this one works. Most dental insurance programs that you have have annual limits. So here's the insight with regard to any last end-of-the-year dental care. If you've already hit your limit this year, so if you have a 1000 or $1,500 limit and you've hit it this year, I would put off those services till after January 1st. On the other side of that is if I didn't hit my limit this year and I need to have some work done, I would probably get it done in this year and try to manage that plan accordingly. So as an example, if you knew that you needed to have a root canal and you needed to have a crown done, things of that nature, you may start doing it now. And I know that it's, you know, we just had Thanksgiving and I know we have Christmas and we're going to have New Year's and nobody wants to be uncomfortable in pain as it relates to their teeth. But as it relates to benefits, this could be big for you. And when I say it could be big for you is, is that, you know, if you have a procedure that may be a couple thousand dollars, you know, use it up this year. And if you have additional work that needs to be done, once you've maxed out, push that into next year. That's what you got the insurance for. Just FYI for all of our listeners, make sure that you're managing your claims because that helps to manage your cash flow. So just food for thought. The next thing that, you know, I have kind of on my items to just go through as, you know, we're looking at year end is really now we're going to talk a little bit about your investment accounts because, you know, the market overall has had a very good year. You know, you're hearing about, you know, as we're taping the show, the NASDAQ is over 4,000, the Dow's tipping over 16,000. 
everything is up. I mean, it, it's, it's it seems like Christmas already. What do you think? It's Jay? good, as they <laughs> it's say. Good. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. But the reality is, is that you know what goes up at some point may come down. Okay, um, it doesn't just you know the market just doesn't go in one direction. If we recall back in two thousand and eight and two thousand and nine, you know it was like everybody was the sky was falling. So we always tell people is is that asset allocation and managing risk is really one of the keys to everything that you're doing. Dave, what's that statistic? You know, what percentage of the uh, your investment you know comes down to you know the success is what? Ninety four percent, Frank, comes from the actual allocation. So for all of our listeners, by the way, I knew that answer, but I wanted to make sure that you hear that and you hear that several times because you've heard me say that over the years and you're hearing Dave say that, which is asset allocation really does matter as it relates to where you're putting your money. So that being the case, when you're looking at year end right now, what we're suggesting is that you really give some thought to reallocating the portfolio. So reallocating basically means this is that opposed to what we've emotionally do at times which is we buy high and sell low okay meaning that we're generally jump into the market when it's real hot like it is now which means that we're buying high and then when the market's tanking and all of a sudden you know my hair is falling out those of you you know we can Dave will tell you I got the face for radio <laughs> and so as I'm pulling out my hair and it's turning gray because the market's falling and I got clients that are upset and nervous what happens is we tend to start selling so we buy high and sell low and that's the opposite of what we should be doing so rebalancing is an automatic way for you to sell high and buy low so the theory behind that is is that if you've had a substantial run-up, like in the year 2012, um, emerging markets was the best-performing asset class. So if I was reallocating my portfolio at that time, I would have sold some of my emerging markets, and I would have in reinvested in some of the other asset classes that didn't perform as well. So I would have done it correctly for a change, which is I would have been selling high and buying low. So... No. Our suggestion is is to consider that. Dave, what are you going to say? Frank, I would just add, yeah, that this is a time of year that the masses run for the discounts, right, where, where the yep. retail marketplace is filled with these great op- buying opportunities. Um, the same thing is with your assets. Oftentimes we overlook the fact that, yeah, we have to, if we're following this formula that asset allocation is, is the, the leading indicator to success, to just be a you know, disciplined around that. And yeah, if something's been good, well, that's good, but it also may need to be, you know, the profits may need to be shifted into something that hasn't been as good because now you'll be following that sell high and well, buy low it's philosophy. saying of when do you actually make money in the market? Yeah. yeah. And the when you sell. Is when, <laughs> when you, you sell. have a profit, yeah. So if I just stay in everything and I never sell, I never realize the profit. And what I'm not saying, suggesting by any means is that you should go out and liquidate things. Right. What I'm saying is, you need to tweak. And tweaking means, you know, if um, the large cap did very well this year, and so a larger portion of my portfolio is more large cap, I would actually be reallocating, taking a little bit off the table of the, the large cap and rebalancing into some of the areas that didn't do as well because we know that everything goes in different cycles and it's really unpredictable. So that, that's really the so, point of that. So, Frank, in, in terms of this question, I know that we get this. So, you know, clients will ask, so the market's been terrific. Should I be looking at moving my assets out of 
asset classes and into cash because, hey, the market's due for a correction, as they call it, right? And you, you get that. You've gotten that question on, I'm sure, thousands we of times through your career, right? So, so the thoughts around that is not to okay. – right? Go ahead, one David, that's a great question. And here's really the answer to, the, to that, which is, first of all, um, no one can time the market. Um, if I were trying to buy or sell and trying to predict what's going to happen in the market – I would have missed this entire run-up because I might have sold it, you know, back, you know, the beginning of the year and said, oh, my gosh, I'm already up, Let, you know, let's sell. And I might have let, missed the last 10 or 15%. Now, here's the reality is, is that you shouldn't have your money in the markets unless you're a long-term investor. So if I'm in this for the long term, even if there was a 4% or a 5% pullback or whatever the case might be, I'm here long-term anyway. That's okay. Okay, because, again, I lost – I made or lost money when I sold – so trying to time the market, you typically tend to miss the bounces. And in those bounces, in those substantial years when they go up, if you miss that, then you, you get a very mediocre return. Uh, Dalbar does a study. And in their study, they talk about what the market has historically done over long periods of time. So they'll tell you that the market did roughly 9% over a long period of time. But then it says the average investor did roughly 3%. And why is that? And the reason being is because we can't time the market and we tend to invest emotionally, which is we're buying and selling at the wrong times. And that's why I say is that if you are a long-term investor, the best you can do is really 94% of that you know, overall return is the asset allocation. 2% comes from timing it. So that being the case, I would tell you that um, be cautious because it is high right now. So I wouldn't be super aggressive. I'd be cautious. I look for entry levels to put money in, which is if I saw a pullback, I may go in a little bit more. But I wouldn't be selling and trying to jump out and trying to time trying the to market. Time it, right? So yeah. that that that'd be my insight on that, Dave. Good. So also with regard to rebalancing, there's a couple of things here, and uh, Dave, maybe you want, might want to just touch on some of the tax issues with regard to rebalancing. Right. Yeah. So this time of year, a lot of clients have probably maxed out their retirement plans or, or gotten to that point. We're not discussing the fact that. They should be rebalancing or, or having to worry about taxes in those plans. 401k plans are tax deferred, right? So right. we can move in and out of things without tax issues until we decide to withdraw. So no problem with so the no rebalancing on qualified money? No. It's not what we call non-qualified money. So your typical brokerage account or mutual fund that you're buying direct uh, that's, that's not in a retirement plan, that when you make a decision, whether a buying or selling decision – there's usually a cost involved, right? On the Correct. selling side, that cost may be taxes. Correct. Right. So we'll be, you know, we'll be in a situation, Frank, that yeah, you want to be mindful of, hey, I, I, you know, where did I buy this at? That's my basis. Where am I selling it at? Okay. And then if I've had a gain, I'm going to pay a tax. Correct. Right. Are there ways to? Not to interrupt you, but I must. You know my saying about taxes? Yeah. Taxes is like love. <laughs> it's better to have and be taxed than not to have. <laughs> and that is true. Um, so so the consideration, right, if you talk to the accounting people of the world, is that you can oftentimes sell off of a gain and also sell off of a loss, and maybe they wash each other so you pay no tax. So if I had a $3,000 gain, Frank, in one investment and I had $3,000 loss in another the IRS says, "Hey, you're no better off, so we're not going to you're not going to hit you with a tax because they wash each other out, and, and the accountant files that." It's um, a great great insight, Dave. Right. So when you rebalance, that's usually a good way to look at it. How do I do that? You know, so that I'm not getting whacked in taxes. Great. So for our listeners, as you're listening to that, 
the time is is now you should be looking at that rebalance again the non-qualified as Dave just said don't worry about it the other side you know you should be matching up your your gains and losses you know so that you know you're minimizing any taxes and then the last thing that we'll just touch on briefly today is with regard to any of our listeners that have 401k plans that may have any type of a matching contribution which is if you did not maximize that match that you get from your employer, this would be the time of the year to look at it to say, hey, you know what, I could get a little bit more match. Maybe you defer a little bit more this month, and this way you can maximize that match that you would get from your employer. So for all of our listeners, you've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is Frank Congelos with our guest host today, David Suki. David, again, pleasure to have you with us on the show. Thank you, Frank. And for all of our listeners, we wish you a truly blessed week. If you have questions, you can write to us at the Institute of Responsible Wealth, 2431 Atlantic Avenue, Manasquan, New Jersey, 08736, or email us at info at ifrw.com.